Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the mechanic voice of your local announcer coming to you from radio vicinity. If you prefer for eating, we have condensed milk, snowballs under the age of two, N and C cayenne peppers. That's the uh, I-N peppers uh, that come from all over the world, North America and South America. And here we are with all of these little pieces of uh, chuckle items for use question. in uh, working our way towards the uh, walking into of the uh, actual radio studio. Here we are. And here also with us is... Marianne, my wife, Hi. who, the second she walks into the studio, uh, suddenly appears to be 16 years younger than she doesn't appear to have been 16 minutes before that. When should I jump in and help you out? <laughs> when, oh, I'm, I'm, long, I'm right down long the middle. A time ago. <laughs> Hi yeah. there. Good Hi weekend. There. A lot yeah. of eating over the weekend. A lot of eating uh, over the weekend. Too You're, much you too, eating. Huh? Too much eating. Yeah. Yes. Uh, by I the way, think. Doug came, came in here and fixed all of this in a way he said should not be touched. <laughs> yes. So, uh, well, except that you set my headset for you, which is really too loud. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, okay Gail Borden, Gail Borden, Gail I would assume Borden, has yeah. something to do with Borden's. Yeah. And I thought that Borden's was a local company. So ah. does that mean that Gail Borden is a local person or was a local person who invented was condensed milk invented here today? I'm going to have to do a little investigation never, uh, on this. Never was as far as I know. Tell you what, though, condensed milk is uh, sort of, I won't say near and dear to my heart, because until I met you, <laughs> I didn't know that cream did not necessarily come in a can. In a can, yeah. Yes. It there's, was a, like, there's a famous poem on that, uh, on that matter, but I don't think we ought to be telling it on the radio. Oh, well, Tom, if you think that, I think that you should go with that oh, instinct. Okay. For, no, you should go with that instinct, for heaven's sake, yes. Anyway, <laughs> um, the the famous mac and cheese that has been passed down mm -hmm. through my family was my mother's recipe. And, of course, as most things uh, that she cooked originated in a can. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so condensed milk was part of the recipe, and she would put... It's a wonder I'm alive now that I think about it, you know, all the trans fats and such. But um, the it was macaroni, it was margarine, it and was condensed milk. With She did do real cheese. So, um, so that was the way we started off with mac and cheese. And when I married you, 
I moved. It was it was so enlightening to see that you could get actual fresh cream. I mean, not fresh, of course, you know, not right out of the cow, but it didn't have to be in a can. And I would go to the store and get cream. And it was really it was just like this great discovery. And then, of course, we moved our um, headquarters. No, we moved. You know, I don't even know. I don't think I ever did do the butter or margarine, certainly not margarine, but I don't think I ever even did butter with my macaroni and cheese. The macaroni and cheese that I do is so, so simple. It's just cheese and cream and mm. macaroni. That's it. And uh, I skipped the uh, the margarine or butter stage that my mother did and certainly the condensed milk. But when I think of condensed milk, that's what I think of. I think of my mother's macaroni and cheese. Now, another thing, condensed milk recipe that was really really popular i don't know if it still is i'm sure it is still pretty popular but it's that um it's the graham crackers the uh chocolate chips graham graham crackers graham crackers chocolate, chocolate chips, chips coconut yeah and condensed milk baked together does anyone know the name of that item and do you do that and if you do are you still doing that because that was really hot back in the 80s can i uh probably on the rest it's probably on a can of condensed milk i i I, i'm sure as a matter of fact i'm going to go look to see if we have a can of condensed milk that's probably been sitting there for 15 years yeah and see if that recipe is on there go ahead what I, I was going to ask you, uh, and now it's uh, kind of going off my uh, my brain. What little brain I have uh-huh. uh, there, uh, but there I could shift over to something else here. There are two things that are often confused with one another: uh, evaporated milk and condensed milk. They're two different things. Oh, okay. Well, what is the difference? Oh. Well, if you were to open up the uh, the evaporated milk, oh, that's would... like the powdered stuff. No, no, it's uh, it's liquid, but it it's fairly thin, uh, relatively speaking, and you could pour it right out of the a, a, a small hole in the side of the can and just jingle it into your cup of coffee, which is what it's used for more, probably more than anything else. And then you have condensed milk, which is much thicker, and is used for a lot of cooking. That's what my uh, mom used it for. And it uh, also there, there uh, is a cadre of people around the world who believe that the best way to deal with uh, condensed milk is you take the can and you put the entire unopened can into your uh, activated oven at about uh, 350 degrees. And at some point, the can actually blows up. And once you're uh, finished with that, then uh, you just you and feed everybody the, and, and then you leave. The, and what is the purpose of that? It it what you wind up with is a really really thick thick uh, product. But beyond <laughs> that, but but before you even and get mess, there, of course. But with with, with the condensed mess. milk where it where it really you know blows up. It it uh, I was exaggerating, but not by much. And it pops pops open the top. It gets a, a texture that you could spread with a with a knife. Don't try this. Don't try this at home. Don't try Absolutely, because l- l- people do write to me or call now, to me. Now, are you all starting say, to understand why I don't listen to Tom? Because you know you've been saying that for thirty years. I think people yeah. may be starting to understand why I don't listen to you. you no, know, wait you a minute. You know, you know, you I, here say, I am. My wife doesn't listen to me. I'm here you, you go, folks. Important. If you're wondering, this is why. 
260-6368 is the number. That's 260-MENU. <laughs> we are already on the Gourmet Gazetteer, so that means if you would like to call us, we would love to have you. We have gobs of restaurant reports from the weekend. Yeah. It was a heavy, heavy eating weekend. It, it was for you and for me and a for everybody we know, too. A heavy eating weekend. Uh, so um, we, you, can, you know, I we like, can talk endlessly about that. I like uh, going out to dinner with uh, some of our friends. Mm-hmm. Which I, I never thought we had ever done. Well, I thought often you were say, I never thought we ever had any friends. Or any chance of uh, getting any friends ever again either. But uh, at the rate of getting them through condensed milk. Uh-huh. But uh, anyhow, uh, they were with us a couple of days this weekend. Or was it even three? It might have been. And uh, we, uh, we got them to pick up their half of the check. <gasps> I just had the um, most horrifying. What? Horrifying. Experience. Who's horrifying? I had the most horrifying experience. Well, for goodness sake, tell us what it is so yes. we can smile. I I uh, I snuck off uh, and went to lunch today, Tom. You did? Yes, I did. After and you asked me if I wanted to come with Well, you, you said you didn't want to go. So then I, well, I, I had all this I work to do. texted to someone and we went to lunch. Do you and know what I achieved this... at lunch today? Or right thereafter? Yeah, you already told me. Um, Google. <laughs> Wait, that, it, that's not what they call it, is it? That sounds like a that sounds like a b- bizarre kids horror movie. Anyway, I went to uh, I went to La Coretta with a friend who is yeah. who is deranged at the concept of having someone pick up the check. I mean, deranged. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you know I who knew was like that? this was going. No, you don't want to say the name. Any name? I don't want to. No, you this, don't no this is uh, would put a smile on anybody's face and felt, uh, uh, and no one, no one would object to this. Okay. Every Mardi Gras, after the Mardi Gras coverage that we always did on WWL. See, I would be embarrassed to tell this story, Tom, because you never should have let this happen. Oh, it's not like I wasn't you trying. You never should have let this no, happen. No, listen, listen to this, folks. Uh, so we did our show from Gallier Hall, and then after that, it was my habit going back uh, about 25, 30 years of going to the Crescent City Steakhouse, which is a great place to get a steak on any day of the week, but it certainly is on that day, and uh, went over there. And uh, Marianne and I sat down in one of those little booths this time. It was a, it was it was kind of peculiar, but uh, what uh, always happened is I would sneak some way by getting back into the kitchen or somehow and giving the cash that we would have spent for this Mardi Gras dinner and give it to the the people there right away and say, do not give that man. There was another man here. Uh, uh, the opportunity to let him pay for this check. I'm paying for this check myself. Here it is. I'll give you an extra one just to keep it going. Clark, the gourmet truck driver. Yeah. Clark, uh, I, I, I convinced my, my, this was a guy who used to call us on the air all the time. Always had something interesting to say. And uh, no matter what we did, we could never work around him. And he would always get the whole check for everybody sitting at our table. No matter what we did, he always did it. And now he's gone, but that shows what kind of guy he was. Gosh, who's going to pay the check now? Can I get back to my story? What story? So 
I'm at La Coretta, where the checks yeah. are not very big to begin with, yeah. and where I don't eat very much Mary anyway. Lee's favorite restaurant. So, <laughs> huh? I knew, I knew that when the check came, this friend of mine who is, did I say, mention this, deranged about another person picking up the check. Mm-hmm. So I I was hoping that she had cash, but when the check came, um, she put a credit card up. <laughs> and so I tell the waiter, look, take this credit card and do not split this check. Do not split this check. And so he goes for the credit, and, and she practically melted down in in horror. I mean, it wasn't like any kind of angry horror, but it was like, okay, bad. So I said to the waiter, I, I said to her, look, then you pick up my check because <laughs> that's somebody sneaky. has got to pick up the check for two of us because I am not going to have this waiter split this check down the middle and she said but why and i said because it's not big enough okay so when the <laughs> so i insisted on the waiter and i know you the waiter i know the, nice people, I know the waiters very well so i said to the waiter please look just take just take this card and put it on so when the check came for me to sign it was ten dollars <laughs> the check was ten dollars yes and I wound up giving the waiter $8 because I was so embarrassed about this horrendous what, what scene. What were you getting? Uh, horrendous bubble gum scene. or something? No, because it's it's cheap and I don't eat a lot there. So I just got tamale and, of course, she has to get everything oh, that I get. So then that's what – and they have free tea at lunch. It was, it was I knew it was going to be an embarrassing check to begin with. But, my God, to split a check that's $10 with two credit cards – was beyond my capacity. It just was. So freed, anyway, she freed. So now she's probably at freed. home, just just shaking about the concept of someone having tea. picked up her check, and she's going to try and tea. figure out how to do that. Like anyone would cure. I mean, care. I think this might be an extraordinarily boring show. Oh, I'm I sorry. So. I no, apologize. No, two six zero six three six eight. I'll tell you what. There's <laughs> there's some interesting stuff in the in the set in the uh, in our our web. Uh, place Tom at no menu. Well, just put Tom. Oh yes, no. we have to promote that. See, this no is one menu. of the things com. that we, we have never to start doing. It. We have to start saying you have to go see the new no menu. dot com. Please go see yeah. the new no menu. dot com. Anyway, uh, one of the things that's on no menu. dot com this today is our visit to Bordeaux. Ah, which was really a funny thing good. right off the bat. Bordeaux is the region of France, southern, uh, southeast, south, uh, I'll get this right yet, uh, south, France. Uh, huh? France. Fran- I know it's from France, but it's in the southerly, uh, westerly uh, part of the, the country, and it is where just about all of the Cabernet Sauvignon uh, things come from, and Merlot as well are, are raised around there, and uh so that's where the name came from. But, but there's also a Bordeaux street here in New Orleans. So we, you know, really ought to just jump in there and start drinking. It's what I seem to me. We'll come back with more of this in just a moment after first, if you will, this. Welcome back. Uh, you are listening to The Food Show. It's the only program of its kind in America, maybe even the world. I don't know. 
I wish there were some way to check that sort of stuff out, but uh, it's it's the truth. Uh, for 31 years now, we've been doing our food show every day, and for a long, long time, it was more than every five-day week. It would go even a little farther than that, but enough bragging about moi and uh, getting over to uh, the Bordeaux restaurant, which we went to, uh, we've been once to stick our heads in to see what it was all about. And the second one was to actually go there on Magazine Street and sit down and have dinner, which we did about a week ago, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that? No. Three no, days, three days ago, it but anyway. three days ago. Okay, well, I'm glad uh, yeah, we have I that Yeah, I went straight. to oh, – go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Finish what no, you were no, saying. That's it. That's uh, – Yeah, I went to uh, the pantry – while I while we were off the air, and the I, yeah, the one we have in our house. The oh, oh, an actual pantry. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Um, and I found a a can of pet evaporated milk, which uh-huh. I am sure is on the shelf just because uh, a hurricane was coming, and I probably bought it just to shut you up. So, um. <laughs> It's here, and it has the creamy macaroni and cheese recipe, but it does not have that dessert thing that uh, that I've I mentioned that people were really crazy about. I was looking up Borden uh, milk or Borden evaporated milk um, while we were uh, we were off the air, also, and I guess I'm thinking that maybe Borden is not. Um, it's not local, that it's just the name Borden, and there happens to be one in this city because um, evaporated milk was discovered or created in 1854. So that's a pretty long time. Yeah, and it's been around for a long time. It was a, a, the only way anybody had to move dairy products from one part of the country to another. So it was it got to be very popular organization and uh so i was thinking that maybe there was a farm there at some time and it was borden but i am completely mistaken because i am sure in looking at this that borden is probably just an outpost of the borden company which probably is named after gail borden Uh, yeah that may be and and it's it's interesting uh how he spelled his name to begin with gail borden g-a-i-l which doesn't sound like a uh, she to begin with. It sounds like a guy. Oh, no, other Actually, way around. Excuse it, it me. It sounds like a girl. Yeah. But anyway, um, I, I so it looks like it. It is now there isn't a Borden condensed milk, but it's Eagle condensed milk. But anyway, uh, uh-huh. um, anybody cook with that? I mean, I'm sure that it would be fine. I just haven't done it ever since I I had to do it for my mom in making that mac and cheese. Okay. I never ever use it. Well, let's ask for two things. One of them is, what do you do with this Color, stuff? Please. No, God, what? And uh, another one would be, um, when uh, do you, have you ever used that recipe where you just take the whole can and put it in the uh, into oh, the oven? Do Tom, not do this. Who in the world would do that? They believe me, who they do it. Who in the world would do that? It doesn't add up, but I'm telling you, they do it. <laughs> So, uh, so don't anybody tell come if to me and say. If you haven't done that, I beseech you to not not do, do that. it. Don't do Please. it. Please. Two six zero six three six eight is the number. Uh, uh, it usually turned up in 
in uh, Hispanic restaurants, strangely enough, because it was used as one of the major ingredients of making flan. I thought you were going to say tres leches. Tres leches is a different deal. Oh, yeah. You know what? We could take the two first ingredients on your almanac and put them together and do something with that. Yeah. If you took evaporated or, or condensed milk and cayenne pepper together... Put a little mm. cheese in that, mm. poured it over some macaroni, or if you did some sort of uh, Mexican dish with it, uh, I bet you that wouldn't be too bad. No, no. Uh, you, you would make it like that. Uh, what's that appetizer everybody likes in Mexican restaurants? It's creamy, and you can add... Queso. Queso. Queso <gasps> is the... Uh, Maybe that's what queso is. I think it might is. be... <clears throat> And the queso part of it is actually the uh, sausage part of it. When we get queso at Coretta, the bill is a little higher than $10 for two people. Oh, well, (laughs) put a stop to that. But we don't get it anymore because it's too fattening. Gosh, there was a time when we just couldn't even think beyond the queso at Coretta. And everybody knew what we were going to order, so they just brought it to the table when we sat down. But now we've mm-hmm. we've gone past that. We've moved past that, mainly because the chips are fried. Anyway, this is so incredibly boring. 260-6368 oh, is the I, number. I, Help I, us out, folks. Right, well, we'll, uh, we'll put that. We're going to go back to Bordeaux well, now. Let's go back to Bordeaux. Bordeaux, okay. All right, so we went to Bordeaux. Who's on Bordeaux? I mean, who's over there well, to talk to uh, us Well, no now? one now. Oh, I bet you there's somebody. No one because it's closed today. But Bordeaux is the new Dominique McKay restaurant. And uh, I actually have been three times. You know, and that was I, my third time. I goofed up with him because I had lost track of where he was. Because he has moved from one restaurant to another, uh, which is very common among chefs, especially good chefs like him. And he... Uh, and he had moved a little bit from one to another, and I kind of lost track of him. Uh, but the second I saw him at the restaurant last week, I just got a, a glance of his face. He has an unmistakable face. He's, he's somebody who you'd recognize as well as, like, uh, gosh, Dominique. Pick Dominique, yeah. <laughs> Why not? That's close. But he's, he's a great guy. He's very funny. He's a terrific chef. He really and it, is. It, I mean, and it's great to have him back again. If only we could get him to turn the air conditioner on. So so Bordeaux, if you haven't been there, is mainly an outdoor restaurant. So picture Tom having dinner <laughs> outdoors uh-huh. in his double shirts on a 100-degree day. Double shirts? Yeah, you have your little undershirt, and then you have your overshirt. Yeah, so? And, yeah, and so you have kind of a problem, I would think, in a 100-degree day. Anyway, um, uh, just there stay are, inside. There, but you couldn't at this particular restaurant oh, because there are only three tables inside, and all the other ones were outside. And, oh, and the rotisserie is going, too, outside. So I didn't even go near the rotisserie to see if that was kicking off some heat, because it probably was. But um, it was it was delicious, and uh, the people that we were with kept saying they're coming back in October, but I don't really see any need to wait until October, because I would go sit out there anytime. It's quite lovely. It's uh, It's charming, is the word. And um, it's it's delicious. I would go back tomorrow. 
Yeah, I would too. Uh, and uh, in fact, the day I was there, I had a lamb dish. It was a, if I remember correctly, it was lamb neck. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, that was it, that was it, very common in the 1980s and into the 90s. Right? Uh, a lot of people would, it, you know how you can get a, a lamb loin and the lamb ribs and all of that. Uh, this would be no joke the neck. And they would do it in a very subtle, careful way and then roast it just like you would do any any other lamb dish. And boy, is that good. Yeah. Uh, they had this great uh, mayonnaise-based uh, uh, sauce, sauce that, they, that went on this. I couldn't figure it out at all because I'd had it before somewhere else, but it looked familiar. Anyway, there it was, and, uh, and there he was, you know, and doing this thing like he's been for a long time. It was really, really good. It was, it's unique. This whole rotisserie concept is, I mean, I know Z has been doing it for a long time, but in a place like this, it sort of elevates it. And I just, I thought it was, it was really great. I mean, I, I look forward to going back. Um, we also had, we didn't have the lamb, but we had another dining experience where lamb was on the menu along with absolutely every other imaginable food item in the universe all on the same menu <laughs> mm. <laughs> which is a red flag of the highest order to me well wh what was the deal when we that? went to kajina kachina kanjemi oh, uh -huh. on the north shore yes yes i was i was so disappointed i was waiting you know we we were talking about about north shore restaurants just a little while ago before we got on the air and um we were talking about having gone to hambone yesterday yeah because you know when something is so incredible you make you want to make sure it was real so i decided to go back to hambone to see if we imagined that dinner the other night because it just couldn't have been that good. And so we went to brunch yesterday. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves because we have a whole bunch of dining out. And we'll just tell you all about it and take up the whole show unless you want to call 260 yeah, Just call us and you can and change the whole it if you call conversation. You know, because, you, you know, you may as well. Uh, just yammering on. We'll have more fun that way. Yeah. It's anyway. the food show. 260 260-6368. Okay, so anyway, um, Kuchina Kunjemi is a place that used to be the Old New Orleans Hamburger and Seafood on Highway 22 in Mandeville. Big things happening over here. Kuchina Kunjemi yeah. opened about two or three weeks ago. Nice and Reginelli's place. opened just Thursday, last Thursday. They haven't even been open a week. That's right there. Uh -huh. On the uh, on the service road at uh, the corner of 22 now, and 190. Now, now this explains everything because we went there and we had like late supper, early dinner. Are you talking about Kachina Kanjemi? Yeah. Yeah. So we went to Kachina Kanjemi, and um, I was absolutely aghast at the size of the menu. I don't <laughs> think I've ever a seen while. a menu that large <laughs> it was yeah. really something and it ran the gamut of every imaginable kind of cuisine even though it's supposed to be mediterranean i wouldn't have been surprised to see some asian dish on the menu because it's like what restaurant what could we possibly offer 
of the outer limits of menus, and that's what's on the menu. So there was lamb meatballs was one of the appetizers, and I thought, well, how bad can this be if there's lamb meatballs on the menu? How, you know, I'm a little scared about the size of the menu, but lamb meatballs are on it, and that's kind of a classy dish, so how bad can this be? Well, we'll let you wonder about that. Two six zero six three six eight. You're listening to WWL one hundred five point three FM HD two. You know what? What got? We are back. Two six zero six three six eight is the number. That's two six zero menu. Let's go to Gary. Gary. Hello. Hi. Yeah, it's not calling to tell you about Borden's. Go- oh, Borden's. please. Yeah. Yes. The first job I had it after college was I worked for 11 years at the Borden's Milk and Ice Cream plant on the airline highway. I was about to ask you if that's where it was, but there it was. It was. It was a big white colonial building, and it had 17 acres of land in the back. And when it came time to sell most of the land, because the plants had been centralized around Louisiana, they sent a real estate lawyer down from New York. And when the general manager found out that he had sold 15 acres of property that abutted old Metairie for a million dollars, he almost died. (laughs) (laughs) The land was probably worth 10 times that, but the real Mm. estate lawyer from New York didn't realize where it was. Mm. (laughs) And the plant made milk and ice cream. That was going uh, when they way sold back. It, it was in the 80s. Yeah, I worked oh. there from 67 to 78, and we made mm-hmm. milk and ice cream in the plant there. The milk came from Kentwood, Louisiana, in tank trucks, and then we turned it into milk products. And, of course, they produced ice cream. And in the wintertime, we cream went cheese. down to the plant. The Creole cream cheese was actually made in a plant that they owned in Franklinton, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, yep. Where where was that exactly? It was where most people remember it is uh, right on Airline Highway, about halfway between the I-10 and Causeway Boulevard, about halfway in. And it didn't look like it belonged there at all. I mean, it was uh, just. Uh, the, it was probably someone's farm. Well, it, it, when it was built, it it did, it was very well uh, liked because it was surrounded by all these nice parts of the world. But it was. Uh, it uh, was one that a lot of people were very upset about losing. Isn't there a, is a is it, is it Barbays or Borden's that's uh, Wait, in, say what? in Central City? What is that? Is that Barbays? Uh, yeah, Borden's yeah, is I, no longer located in the city. Yeah. I see. Okay. Okay. But in the All winter right. time, mm-hmm. if you went to the ice cream plant, the ice cream superintendent would sometimes reach his – I was an accountant. But he would reach his ladle in the vat of Borden's Dutch chocolate ice cream that they were cooking and pour you a little bit in a cup. And it was like the richest hot chocolate you ever tasted in your whole life. I can believe that. It was amazing. Yeah. I love chocolate milk. Hmm? It was an international company that the headquarters was in New York and the regional office was in Houston, Texas. That's who we answered to. I see. Well, thank you and for the education because I've often wondered about that. So I uh, appreciate Very it. Very welcome. Have thank a good you. Day. I want you how many people, uh, I wonder how many people are listening to us right now who at one time or another went to Borden's 
and had something to eat or drink in the way of dairy products or come home with a little container of Creole cream cheese, which was something that by that time, nowhere in the world was there anything like that. And they kind of like rebuilt it for a while and it lasted for a while and then it went away for good. It's kind of hard to find. Well, no, it's uh, Moth, or I, I think that's how you say it, the dairy up in on the North Shore. It might even be in Franklinton. Uh, it has it has it's a small small dairy it's really great stuff and they have it now they've resurrected it so you can get it but it's not it's not widespread 260-6368 is the number that's 260 menu new orleans hamburger and seafood mm. is where you will find some great hamburgers from their extensive hamburger menu they also have a great seafood menu, fried seafood, greaseless, golden brown, hot, delicious. You can get that on a platter or you can get it on a poor boy. They have good local specialties like red beans and rice. Good day to do that today. It's Monday. And uh, now char-grilled oysters. New Orleans Hamburger and Seafood now has char-grilled oysters. They have good oh, salads, that. other kinds of sandwiches. It's a good casual, fast casual environment. Very nice place to sit. They have 10 locations around town, so go see them. New Orleans Hamburger and Seafood. Mm. Yeah. All right, so we went to, we were talking about Bordeaux. So we went to Bordeaux over the weekend, and it was absolutely packed in there. And it is a small space, so I kind of admire that sort of restaurant design where you can cram that many people into a space that size and have it be doable. You know, there's a lot of people that were sitting on that little patio. I was wondering who picked that idea. I think it. I think it's it's great. I, I think it's uh, then then you can go down two steps and then there's a brick patio and there's more tables down there, but um, it was good. It was it was French food, but it was really um, it was like it light eating. You you pretty much had a salad and some rotisserie meat. Which, what could be wrong with that? That was pretty oh, darn good. You know, uh, we, uh, in recent times, uh, we there, there was a, a period in, in the 70s and into the 80s where there was hardly any uh, any French cooking at all. I, it, no, low, high, no matter what you were looking for, you would look and look and look for real French cooking. And you, could, you wouldn't be able to find it. Uh, but that has changed, and in recent times, it has changed dramatically. The, n- the number of French restaurants that have opened just in the last year, I don't remember anything like that. And, and the quality has been fantastic, too. So uh, this is a good time to get into French cooking, and if you don't know anything about it, just go there and eat some things that sound good and, and enjoy. Have a have a glass of wine with it don't forget that you know i think people automatically think of french food as being really um caloric and um and rich and and it might be rich but i will say that the kind of salad that you get in a french restaurant is unlike anything that we have here it is usually a really eclectic interesting sometimes rare 
combination of lettuces yeah, oh, yeah. tossed in a dressing that is so light that it's barely noticeable except in intense flavor. I think a French vinaigrette done well cannot be beat. A French, that is uh, true if you actually have somebody who knows how to do it. The best, yeah. the best of ever was Gerard Crozier. He did have a good dressing, oh, but I think I think this dressing best. that Dominique is serving is really I could believe that. Too. He's one of it's those guys who knows it. It's really good. Yeah. So we, he's from Bordeaux, obviously. How long? What was his first restaurant in the city? Do you remember? I don't know. I want to say it was that restaurant, and I might be totally wrong about this. Uh, he was a, a, one of the restaurants that uh, populated that building on Chapatula Street between Gerard and. Uh, and uh, uh, Julia, and there was a, a it's, it has a different name now, but it was uh, took up darn near the whole block, and uh, they also uh, got into a, a wine operation there. It was pretty nice, but uh, the, the world didn't go for it uh, very well, and they moved on. Well, sometimes, it, you know, if it's avant-garde, but I guess that he came here for some reason with someone to do yeah. something, and I don't know, maybe it's, you know, his wife or something, but I just was curious as to how he arrived on the scene. I have seen him yeah. around town a bit. But anyway, it's, uh, welcome back. It's really uh, delicious, yeah. really, and, really delicious. And uh, there's, there's one other thing going on, and that is uh, that... Uh, French uh, cooks are really, for the most part, they're not as fancy as you think they're going to be. They just, they're good after the good flavors, good fresh products, and, and they get it. And, then, and they know that that's where the good food is to be found. Yeah. So. Well, good food can be found anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. also bad food. Yeah. Well, fortunately. I know that. Fortunately, I feel like bad food is not as easily found. I, I well, think that lately it seems to me it's it, it keeps opening. I think mediocre food is very easily found. Food that's oh just, yeah, that's, it, that, always. that's good but not great, not bad. It's just fine. You know, it's just yeah. fine. And you go there wherever it is you go and you eat the food as part of a social engagement, mm -hmm. but you don't need to go back and eat that particular food again. Uh, and I think most food falls into that category, for me, anyway. Um, but it's rare that you have really exceptional food in either direction. And um, and we did this week. We had really exceptional great food, and we had really exceptionally bad food, too. Oh, tell us Same about weekend. the bad food. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people who want to know that. You know, people walk up to me and ask me, you know, tell me about a restaurant you've been to that was really awful. And I always ask, why? What do you want that for? What, what possible interest could you have in that? Well, let's just say if you've been to Kachina Kanjemi, I would be interested in hearing your opinion. I was well, very disappointed in that meal. You, so was I. Very and, disappointed. But you, you explained it a little while ago, and that is this is a new restaurant. Yeah. Uh, really quite new yeah. and uh, I'm pretty pretty sure uh, about this you know I guess I could be wrong yeah of course I can, I could give you a list but anyway there were uh, there were a lot of restaurants that wait where was I going with this you know I was gonna say mm -hmm. that this restaurant reminds yeah. me 
of they it, it just it, they it needed to be open a little bit longer so they could figure out what they were trying to do and and even the best chefs in restaurants restaurants have a problem with that i don't think that's true All i right. think there are some restaurants that open and they're good from day one and i don't necessarily think i mean i think it's it's a nuanced formula and it's not really even a formula at all. Sometimes the stars just align, and sometimes they crash into each other. And I don't think it's a matter of luck. I think that there are times when – I think there are a lot of people out there who think, you know what, how hard can it be to open a restaurant? Oh. Everybody can do it, and I'm going to do it oh, too. I think they can. This is what I'm saying. There are a lot yeah. of people that have that thought. And then sometimes people – do that and the stars do align for them and i'm not saying that it's it's all luck i think there are some people who just instinctively know how to put their pulse or their finger on the pulse of what people want i'll give you a couple of good examples um the people who opened mimi's in chalmette they sold flooring and then went into the restaurant business incredibly successful they were smart enough to know to get a really good chef and in the case with them their stars did kind of align because that guy was from california where he was cooking in some great kitchens and his wife was from here and in chalmette and that has been a marriage made in heaven that is a great little restaurant that really is. If you've yeah. never been there, Mimi's, Mimi's in, in Shellnet. Shellnet. Yeah. It's on uh, Hammond. Yeah. Not Hammond. Excuse me. Um, uh, the Judge Perez. Judge Perez. And yeah. then uh, the other one that I find fascinating is the Rum House. The you know, Rum House. You've been telling me about this place uh, for a while yet, and I. I'm, uh, I'm utterly I, fascinated by it. I and, but I still haven't registered a, a place in my brain. Where it is, it's and not what your it kind is. of place, so don't even no? bother. But the rum anyway. house, but the rum house, yeah, is actually owned by <clears throat> my cousin's, yeah, husband's niece, who is in her sixties, and her second cousin, maybe, who is in her thirties, different. Family relations, but not the same family. And these two women had no restaurant experience whatsoever except a real instinct for what would sell because the place is packed all of the time. And then the third one, and I'm sure there are others out there, but these three just come to mind, the Bennetts. Kevin Bennett and his two sons. Kevin Bennett owned that building on North Turnbull where Andy's is. Is he the guy who used to be many, in the, the camera business? Many years, they owned that building. He owned Speedy Oil Change, sold all of them. There were oh. hundreds of them. Anyway, well, I know, he's I know owned where they went. that building as part of a real estate portfolio that he had and he had several restaurants in and out of that building and after the last one closed he finally said you know how hard can this be i'm going to go ahead and take this building 
and open it as a restaurant. And his own restaurant, with no restaurant experience, has been more successful in that space that he owned than any of the other places. And now they have a second location, three B's on uh, Harrison in in Lakeview. And those are just three examples. I'm sure there are others. But for every one of those, there's probably two or three dozen people who just take a shot at it with no experience and then fail miserably at it because it's not something that anybody can do. It's not intuitive. You, you have to. Well, I think it can be intuitive for some people. The three people I just named, apparently it is intuitive for them. But for most people, you don't just hang out your shingle and you're a restaurateur. <clears throat> and that's what I got. That's either. what I got from Kachina Kanjemi. Yeah. And uh, and I'm curious to see what what happens there. Hmm. Anyway, it was uh, it was unfortunate because us people on the North Shore, we people on the North Shore, are always looking for more dining options, even though we have just a you know quadrupled or quintupled them since we arrived on the scene over here. Um, you know, if you eat, well, I guess maybe most people don't eat out as much as we do, but but um, we'd like some more restaurants over here. Boy, is that the truth? I wound up uh, with uh, Mary Lee, our daughter. Yes. Uh, at the Chimes again. Chimes has has some a little bad press today. Oh, did Chimes they? Chimes has some very bad hmm. press today. Well, they're out of oysters today, but a lot of <laughs> well, people they've are, got much bigger problems. A than lot that. of people are out of oysters <laughs> right now. They've got much bigger problems than that. Two six zero six three six eight is the number. We started the show by talking about the fact that it is National Condensed Milk Day today. It is also South um, North and South American Cayenne Pepper Day mm. and uh, Soft Serve Ice Cream Day. So, Ooh. you know, uh, you could, could, you use, could, some you of could use all three of those things. You could take some yeah. condensed milk, put some cayenne pepper in it, and freeze it and make it a soft serve ice cream. Mm-hmm. And if I could add just with this that little twinkle. It doesn't have any appeal to me, but some crazy people like that well, kind of stuff. Go ahead, what? Let, let me run this one by you. Uh, if you... Uh, uh, we were just here talking about uh, milks and all that. Uh, you you would put that on a snowball, <clears throat> and a lot of people do. Yeah, they do. And uh, and a lot of people like that. And then you mentioned the the spider the the uh, the spicy taste yeah, that gets right? in there too. Anybody uh, have any connections with uh, uh, flavors that might not seem obvious at first, and then you try it once, and suddenly somehow it has a little exotic thing going on. Yeah, I think Does a lot of people do. I think a lot of people do that because uh, we were talking to oh gosh, um, Brian, Brian Gilmore over at Creole Creamery who is the chef at Creole Creamery and he was talking about uh, some flavors that he I mean he likes to throw all kinds of flavors together but he was talking about his chocolates which have pepper in it and stuff like that yeah let's not go. my thing at all but there are people who like that yeah let, let's see if we can find any like that because uh, I know a lot I remember first time I ever met somebody like that was putting tabasco in uh, ice cream uh, they said it was great so what are you gonna say well, you know, when we had uh, we went to Fausto's the other day and had um, 
the limoncello gelato mm. that he has made from his homemade gelato. I what mean, I mean, I don't like limoncello at all. I mean, it's Everclear alcohol, for heaven's sake. And um, the fact that it was creamy in a gelato, I think, diluted the intense alcohol flavor and it was actually pretty good i don't find that to be the case with spicy things and and creamy ice creams or anything like that i am not a sweet and savory or sweet and spicy i I think you're sweet person Uh, and not only that but uh, when we return uh at some point here let's see we're going to get into we have an not an article exactly but it's something from our daily uh, almanac about food. We'll have that in a minute, right? Or, or do we have something to do first? No, uh, we're going to go to the right. news in just a minute. But two six zero six three six eight is the number. I'm waiting. It's really dark over on this side. It's getting. It's going to be a pretty stormy, stormy yeah. evening. I think. You certainly are right. Uh, but we have uh, gobs and gobs of dining diary sorts of things uh-huh. to talk about. We sure Although do. honestly, we would prefer to talk to you. So if you would like, please give us a call. Two six zero six three six eight is the number. We are going to go to the news right now. But uh, you are listening to WWL FM one hundred five point three HD two. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.